Yeah. Hey, how's it going? Today is Saturday, January 12th, 2019. Welcome to the podcast. Big football weekend, big Eagles weekend as they play the Saints down in New Orleans tomorrow, 440. I predict victory. Eagles 21, Saints 20, a nail biter. Although Ray Didinger, football Ray did not. A couple of the sports personalities around here starting to think that the Eagles and Nick Foles magic might run out this week. I don't think so. I think they've got some more magic left. Nick will win with zero time left. Negative. The dude can bend reality. The win against the Bears was amazing. Doink. Doink. Double doink. So... We'll see if it continues. I sent my wife a picture of Foles on Sports Illustrated, and she responded, oh, I didn't know he blocked the kick. I said, what? <laughs> what? I didn't even – it took me a while to even wrap my head around her response. She, I guess, uh, from the photograph, uh, determined that Foles was on the punt block team and blocked the kick against the Bears, got a hand on it. I said, he's not on the punt block team. My wife said, well, he should be. I agree. Maybe he should be. It's amazing how my family doesn't understand football. It's complex, I guess. It's like a language to me that I just know I speak fluent, so I can't imagine not being able to swim or speak this language. First down, they, they get that now. That was a lesson this year that sort of stuck. But you got to cheer for the birds. You got to cheer for something beyond yourself. It's important to get yourself out of yourself. Narcissism. My favorite book title, I think, is a collection of poetry by Tony Hoagland, and the title is What Narcissism Means to Me. I like that. That's the perfect little gag, that sentence there. What Narcissism Means to Me. Excellent poet, so. Sort of a second-tier Billy Collins, jumping from the everyday to the profound. So we'll see. We'll see if these birds win tomorrow. I was reading something uh, in the vein of evolutionary psychology. Because were you to ask me my overall philosophy in life, I would say that's it. That's how I feel humans function. Based on very rudimentary and primal um, biological behaviors. So, and I think it manifests itself in the modern, or sometimes it's blocked. Sometimes there's no formal outlet for this evolutionary psychology. The writer said, men ultimately seek freedom. We are hardwired to seek a mission well done to accomplish a task and freedom, both mental and physical. And why we are drawn to football, which is more or less a war simulation. A war simulation to connect with men's darker desires to war over territory. Um, 
why we cheer it so much is we seek the running back breaking through the line and getting free into the end zone. We are, in fact, subconsciously applauding a man that has achieved freedom, that has broken through the obstacles of the D-line. He's free. (sighs) What do you think of that evolutionary psychology take on football fandom? You can even take it deeper and say we are, in fact, cheering for our We'll get a little biological here. Our semen to travel up the fallopian tubes and implant with the egg. Is that what we're really, really cheering on? When Smallwood has a two-yard pitch play? (laughs) Maybe. But then that makes me not want to cheer for football as much. It's like, is this, is it even sincere or am I just hardwired that way? Sometimes I get too fillied up. I had to actually turn sports talk off this week for like a day and a half because I was oversaturated. I learned every matchup and analysis and any potential thing that could occur in the game. And I just flip. I hit full. I even stopped going to Wawa because in Philly area, Wawa is one of our points of pride. And rightly so. They're pretty, it's pretty darn good. And I support them pretty much every day. But sometimes you got to walk away. I go to the old school 7-Eleven just to get away from the Philly hype. Because in Wawa, it's all eagle, go, eagle, go. 7-Eleven, nothing. No uh, regionalism. No local flavor. Just I like that. Sometimes I don't need someone to slobber all over me as a cashier. How's it going? Great. Thank. Just nothing at 7-Eleven. I go there at like 7 in the morning, and it's usually very dark in there. And this is up on Easton Road, and I'll meet you there for coffee should you doubt this profile that I give up the 7-Eleven. I'm just a straight reporter. So, again, if you take issue Meet me at the 7-Eleven and see how accurate this is. Pitch dark almost in there at 7 in the morning. Quiet sitar music playing. And go up to the counter and dude seems not, hey, how's it going? Let's go Eagles, this and that. Seems vaguely angry with me. I like that 7-Eleven. I find it relaxing. So, because the Wawa's are everywhere. I saw a Wawa being built in the parking lot of another Wawa. That's too much, folks. Wrote that joke down. A Wawa in the parking lot of another Wawa. So were I to write an Eagles book, it would just be, the first 80 pages would just be straight biology. Straight biology. They'd be like, what? Carson, what? Foles isn't even in here. It's just talk of the fallopian tube. I'd be like, it get it goes into football. It does, but more so in the second half, more so in the latter passages. So we'll see. We got to conjure all of our Philadelphianness up to win this game. 
I was at – I did a, a race uh, not too long ago called the Rocky Run, which is all filled up all around uh, the art museum. And they were playing that song from the film, Living in America. And what I was thinking, because people were cheerleading, dancing, you know, celebrating living in America. But in fact, isn't that song a warning against the bloated excess of America? Isn't that song in fact – a condemnation of our hubris? Think of the context when that song is played in Rocky 3, right? Or 4, maybe 4, against the Russian, right? So the emphasis of living in America would be important. Um, where is it, 3? Bad Philadelphia. I don't know my Rockies in order. Um, but it's Apollo Creed too cocky, not training hard enough. Bam, gets killed in the ring. Living in America is a warning. People around here misinterpret it. Lucy Liu. Lucy Liu over there, growling, agreeing, concerned. So we like to follow our mission as men and achieve ultimate freedom. This is what this evolutionary psychologist said that I've been reading. I think the guy who followed his mission the best ever wasn't there after World War II a soldier that was a Japanese soldier that was in South America that got orders that the war was over but didn't believe his commanding officer and I think stayed hidden in the jungle, occasionally uh, picking people off as a sniper up until the mid-70s. I believe this Japanese soldier was still fighting World War II up until the mid-70s. His war coincided with Columbo. Uh, and he received pamphlets and messages that, hey, World War II is over. And again, he thought that this was propaganda from the other side. And he said, I committed to a mission and I will fulfill my mission. I think finally, finally, he was convinced that the war was over, surrendered, returned to China, and was sort of a mini-celebrity there for a little bit. I like that guy. Hold up. Waiting for the war to come to him. The war is going to come to you, New Orleans. Because we're coming down south. Damn, we're coming down south. Someone hush that baby up. Give the baby its Mountain Dew. <laughs> that baby needs Mountain Dew. I told you. I told you the Eagles are coming. I don't know what that is. That's like a mix between Randy Macho Man Savage and Southern Trailer Park situation. Give the baby its Mountain Dew. I told you. <laughs> Hush up. Hush up. The game's on. Everyone hush up. <laughs> I'm going to drink Mountain Dew for this game. Try and stop me. So that's the thing I do. Hey, this podcast is brought to you by Integrity Wealth Management. They can help you with your portfolio management, retirement planning, financial planning, estate planning, and services, life insurance, and wealth preservation strategies. 
please call them at 215-864-3598 or visit their website at www.integritywealthmanagement.com. Integrity Wealth Management. Thank you. A little water today. Trying to cut back on the coffee thing, actually. You might say, where's the coffee? Where's the obnoxious slurping? I'm trying to cut back on that, too. I found no way to rectify both coffee and uh, decent audio. So you make sacrifices in this business. But that's okay. Had some earlier from Wawa, not 7-Eleven. So the coffee's different. I'm back. I was saying before I was going to stop the podcast, but I realized, you know what, why? I get joy out of it. I enjoy it. So, and maybe this is the ultimate uh, insight into life. How to? How sh- can you be happy? Uh, find something you like and just do it. Just keep keep hitting that sector. Put it all in that sector. I like that. You know. Well, then then do that. Do that as often as you can, unless it's heroin. Then that's bad advice. But I like the podcast. Do it. You like something? Do it. Because. That's what those compiled moments of happiness are, happiness long-term, happiness short-term. My wife watches a lot of uh, Lifetime movies, so is terrified of uh, men breaking in and, and uh, crime and murder and things like that. So to the point where we have these security cameras out here in the third ring suburb of Bucks County, completely unnecessary these security cameras, one mounted at the front door, one in the backyard slider, uh, sliding door in the basement. And uh, all they do really is pick up things like, God, the next day my wife will say, really? Cigars with the guys in the backyard at halftime, really? This is all the camera picks up. Just me. There's no crime. There's no burglar. Just me. Staring back at the camera, wondering if it's on. Wondering how to turn it off. I feel trapped in this house with Big Brother watching. I said, I told my wife, and she said, well, you know, if you don't do anything wrong, you don't have to worry about the cameras. I said, what? Is this Kim Jong-il? That's what he would say. That's what Stalin would say. If you don't do anything wrong, you don't have to worry about the cameras. No. No. I'm not living under constant security. I'm married to Kim Jong-il. We went to Dave & Buster's the other night. And uh, I mentioned previously, I think, I have a bit of germophobia. And that's a germaphobe's nightmare. First of all, going anywhere in January that is confined and there's a lot of kids running around. You can just at Dave and Buster, I could I could see a flu cloud floating like twenty feet in front of me. This dirty green cloud. I thought that's the flu, and I walked around it. But as a germaphobe, you're touching those arcade games and touching, you know. The, the guns, because we did a family shoot em up. A family that kills aliens together stays together. But I uh, 
Yeah. Definitely, I was doubling up on the hand sanitizer. My favorite thing was going out. When we drop everyone's jackets back in the car, just taking hits of hand sanitizer. <laughs> I saw the Flyers the other day. Just kind of killing time, waiting for the Eagles game. But uh, my oldest daughter and I took the train, went down, and saw the Flyers. And I came home, and my dog was smelling me. I think she could smell gritty on me. I think she was sniffing my pant leg. I said, you smell gritty, girl? The Flyers lost in overtime. Uh, I think they've lost eight in a row now, last place. Cause that, that Good times. And I was explaining, I was like, ooh, overtime hockey. So I turned to explain it to my daughter. I said, all right, so in overtime hockey, they remove two of the players, and it's three off. The- oh, it's over. And just like that, the Flyers gave up a goal, and it was over. Before I even had a chance to explain overtime hockey. It was the ultimate Philly moment after the Flames put the puck in the Flyers net. The announcer said, and Calgary's gold score by number. And a woman said, who gives a F? Who gives a F? I agree. I agree with her. I was at the gym the other day. I looked down at my legs. Uh, this is getting older, folks. I My legs are hairless. I never thought I would lose hair on my legs. They're almost completely hairless. As you know, I have gorgeous calves, and now they're smooth like a woman's. What's happening here? A lifetime of friction. My calves against my jeans. Sculpted and smooth. Like a marble statue. Statue. Marble statue. I always fight with my kids to wear a jacket this winter, doing something different. I'm not wearing a jacket. I'm like, they're right. And I'm fine. No flu. Knock on wood. Feeling fine. It. They're right. It's just a wasted motion to put that jacket on. This is the summer where I don't go jacket either. That's that's the deal. And that's the deal. Because they're my kids. We pull up in the driveway and they don't get out of the car. Do your kids do this? It's like this. When the car stops and I pull the keys out, that signifies this moment is over. Uh, uh, get out of the car. I've parked. Uh. Like, what time is it? Like he, you're looking at your phone that provides time. What time is it? You have access to the same information that I have. I don't like when the conversation comes up. If you could be living in another era, where when would it be? Because I feel like people always want me to say, 1960s, bro, yeah. I don't really, I don't even think like that. My brain isn't even wired to fantasize that hypothetical. In the 1960s might be fun, but I also enjoy Walgreens. I have no, I have no answer to that. I have not even the slightest moment to hesitate to entertain the idea, this hypothetical. Because I would have the same brain 
wherever you put me, so it wouldn't matter. I would write sardonic jokes about dinosaurs and do a podcast about them. Gently dissing the Triceratops. <laughs> so I have no interest in that conversation. I was listening when I got off the sports talk to a station that is out of Hatboro and only has a range of maybe seven blocks. You can see the tiny room in which WCDB, whatever the call letters are, um, you could see where the program comes from every day, and I pass it, and it's pre-World War II jazz, and the DJ there seems to be about 97 years old, and I like it. I like it. A lot of clarinet. You forget about the clarinet. That was all the rage in grade school. A lot of the girls I remember played the clarinet. You don't hear it that much anymore. I may take lessons, maybe. Last week I mentioned monster trucks, and I talked to a friend of mine who hails from North Carolina, where Gravedigger, perhaps this generation's Bigfoot, the most popular monster truck in the brigade, hails from as well, North Carolina. I said, yo, what's up with, with monster trucks, dude? Was that huge in North Carolina? He said, yes. Yes, it was. He said that he and his friends were more into NASCAR, but he knew friends and people that were more into monster truck. So if you grew up as a boy in North Carolina in the 1980s, you would have to choose NASCAR or monster truck. His, he went NASCAR, but he had friends that went Monster Chuck. I said, well, what is the difference between the fan base? He said, in NASCAR, you cheer for the driver. The driver is the thing of admiration, of celebration. In Monster Truck fandom, he said, you cheer for the truck. You cheer for the vehicle. So I, I think I would be monster truck guy. I cheer for the, it's the vehicles that make me happy. The mega shark. I, I was looking at a medley of all of the trucks. There's the mega shark, the triceratops. That's why I had dinosaurs on my mind, I think. Uh, and it's fascinating. It's fast. I cheer for the vehicle. I would not go back to dinosaur time. I don't like that question. Uh, what I would do maybe, I heard I heard Alanis Morissette the other day on the radio when I got off Sports Talk, and I feel like uh, I like her more than I rightly should. She's so good, Alanis. Maybe she connects with my 90s inner girl Canadian angst. That's where I would go back in a time machine scenario. To 1995 in Canada. And just swirling in the world of Alanis Morissette. So that's my answer to your question. Now it's time to hunt the hunter. And what I really want. Hush up! Give that baby its Mountain Dew! I'm going to say something you're not going to like. But you come here for the hard truths, so I'm going to say it anyway. Declan is the most unoriginal original name. 
My apologies to parents that have children named Declan. I had to say it. I realize if I got a few drop-offs in following this week, I understand. Somebody had to say it. Luck be a lady tonight. That's from that 1920s station. Let's keep this party polite. I had a teacher conference last week, and uh, I think this incident occurred in my career uh, long enough that there is a statute of limitations in which I can freely speak of this now, because at least a decade has ensued. But a decade ago, during a teacher conference, sit down with mom and miss, for whatever reason, the student's name. You are the mother of and. What I don't know what happened, but I missed the name, and the conference got pretty deep quickly to the point in which it would have been absurd for me to ask the name. It would have been revealing a phoniness in me that I wasn't ready to reveal just yet. That happens at work sometimes, too, with like if I missed the password right in the beginning of the of the presentation. You can't, like 20 minutes in, you can't say, what's the password? People are like, what What have you been doing for 20 minutes? So I just sit there trying to crack the code like a Russian hacker. So this, um, this conference, I missed the name. So, and then I, it was the empty teacher conference. I didn't know who we were talking about and I couldn't ask the name. So I just gave generic replies. You know, he's doing fine. He could read more. She said, really? He reads like four hours a night. I said, well, I don't mean more. I mean, you know, he could, he could not read more as well. Whatever benefits him, the empty teacher conference. He's, you know, He's got some good friends. You know, he goofs a little much, but he knows also when to focus and get his work done. She said, yeah, that sounds like him. But I missed the name. Horrible condemnation. This is uh, of teachers, but this is the one. The one and only time. A little bit of a loss of focus. But again, I have free free uh, statute of limitation now. Here's a way people talk that confuses me sometimes. And I spoke weeks ago of my wife flipping her syntax. In this scenario, people will say something like this. Um, five o'clock somewhere. They'll walk up to you and say, five o'clock somewhere. And I'll say, what? And they'll say, king of the beach. And they'll say, what? And they'll say, king of the beach. And they'll say, what? what are you talking about? And they'll say, your profile pic on Facebook, you look like the king of the beach. I'll say, oh. They lead with a phrase that you're supposed to fill in the connective tissue. Up all night. Excuse me? Up all night. I saw you post, You sent an email and uh, last week, and it was at uh, 12.05 in the morning, and up all night. Do you... Do you know, like, or have, are you friends with or colleagues with noticers, people that notice everything? I would say I'm not a noticer. They'd be like, oh, 
You wore that jersey last Tuesday. That's good. Tuesday and the following Friday. It's like, really? You're noticing this frequency in my wardrobe or lack thereof. Noticers. I am not. Well, I think that's it. Tomorrow, Sunday, 440. Eagles, Saints. Eagles 21, Saints 20. Go Birds. Later. Thank mm-hmm. you.